I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hashtag History, Episode 9. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And Leah, I'm going to let you take the floor because you have some pretty major announcements to share this week. I sure do, Rachel. So so first of all, next week's episode will be our last episode of season one. I know, but don't fret because we'll be coming back for season two on October 29th with a special spooky Halloween episode. Yay! (laughs) Yeah, I won't tell you exactly what it's going to be. Um, We want it to be a bit of a surprise, but I will tell you it centers around one of the most infamous murder sprees in English history. Was that too much? Did I totally give it away? If you're me, yes. (laughs) That's because I'm a nerd. So yes, I know exactly what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, to really end season one with a bang, we are so excited to announce that we are having none other than Kelly Boyles from Milk House Shakes on the podcast next week. Yeah, she's going to talk about a particularly fascinating scandal in history that she is super passionate about. And just for those of you who aren't locals, Milk House Shakes is a milkshake and coffee house that is right up Rachel's alley um, because they've named all of their milkshakes after American presidents. Yes. So I've definitely been to Milk House Shakes several times now, and I totally followed their journey for probably like a year before they officially opened their doors like a total stalker on Instagram. Um, The shakes are delicious, and Kelly is super sweet and super smart and super nerdy, just like us. So I am so excited to have her on next week. Yeah, how exciting. So excited. Our first guest and our last episode of the first season. I know. It's It's crazy how it really has been, but it's been so much fun. So I am so excited for all of these things. Um, Next week's episode, it's going to be amazing. And then the break between seasons, it's going to be totally worth it, you guys, because our first episode for season two is amazing. I don't want to reveal any secrets about that yet, but seriously, you guys, it's going to be great. So let's get into this week's topic, which is kind of hard to do because I'm just so excited for next week already. But this week's topic is an event in history that every single person on the planet knows about. This week, we are talking about the Black Plague, otherwise known as the Black Death. In a nutshell, this is the pandemic that swept across Europe between 1347 and 1351 and resulted in the deaths of anywhere between 75 to 200 million people. You heard that right. 75 to 200 million people. That is absolutely mind-blowing. It's estimated to be somewhere between 30 to 60% of Europe's population. Can you even imagine over the course of four years losing up to 60% of our country's population? 
I was just about to make a Marvel reference, but I think that's a little too nerdy even for us because <laughs> the snap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to. Um, so for anyone out, <laughs> anyone out there who's also a Marvel nerd, send us a DM. Let us know if you got you got the inside <laughs> yes. jokes. Yeah. But really, to put that into context, think about your office at work, if you work with, let's say, 10 people, imagine that within four years, somewhere between three to six of those people have died. It's seriously mind-blowing. I can't even think of another word for it. Yeah, especially in a small office like mine. And mine. <laughs> that <laughs> One of us is going. That's, yeah. Those are the odds. <laughs> The Black Plague completely changed the course of European history and was responsible for major shifts in religion as well as social and economic life. And I want to do a quick warning right here and let you guys know that today's episode is disgusting. Like, disgusting. So just be prepared for that. But before we get into all of that, Leah, take it away with this week's cocktail segment. Yay! Disgusting disease. Sounds like a good time to drink. Woohoo! <laughs> okay, so for this week's cocktail, Rachel definitely had to help me out because I was all over the place and couldn't make up my mind. So kudos <laughs> to you, Rachel, for being my rock. Seriously. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> this week's cocktail is really taking the black in Black Plague, literally. Um, we're both drinking the Black Widow cocktail, or at least a version of it. I found like 12 different versions of it online, but I like this one because it's simple and I'm super excited. So this cocktail is super easy to make. So if I like it, I'm excited to have another two ingredient cocktail in my arsenal. Mm. Yes. So the Black Widow is uh, made up of two ounces of black vodka and three ounces of cranberry juice. Some recipes I saw called for blackberry juice instead of cranberry. Some said layer the vodka on top. Others said shake and pour over ice. But let's be real. It's essentially a vodka cranberry. Yay. But with black vodka for looks, which is just totally fine by me. Love it. Yes. And I love a vodka cranberry because truthfully, when I was like exactly 21, this was pretty much all I knew how to order at a bar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you make yours? Did you end up like mixing it or did you try Uh, layering it? This is what I did. Um, Poured the shots in poured the cranberry juice over it, let it mix itself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sounds that's like what it. I did. Okay. <laughs> well, there's um, not a cool backstory to this one, unfortunately, but bottoms up. Bottoms up. Cheers. I know we, we need a drink today, so mm-hmm. really t- take a couple chugs, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you guys in like, give me five minutes. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's pretty much just tastes like a vodka cranberry. It's a classic, though. Yes. And you know what? Actually, it being a classic is totally perfect for the theme of this week. Because we're talking about the Black Plague, everybody knows about the Black Plague. Everybody knows about the vodka cranberry. There Would you, you go. Would you look at that? <laughs> we, drew, we drew a connection. 
there, there was the connection, guys. All right. So I think that most people know how the Black Plague started, right? Leah, do you, I'm sure you know. Something about rats, right? You're on it. So as everybody knows, the Black Plague was carried by fleas that lived on rats. <laughs> See, it's already <laughs> disgusting, guys. <laughs> Now, when we talk about the Black Plague, we are talking about when this pandemic swept across Europe. But this plague, the bubonic plague, it actually began in China. There's evidence written on gravestones throughout the years of 1338 and 1339 that this horrific plague claimed the lives of an estimated 25 million Chinese people during that time period. So how did the plague get to Europe? I think most people know the answer to this as well. It came over on ships, on those fleas that were on those rats. Or so we're told anyway. There's always going to be different theories, but the most widely believed theory is that the plague arrived in Europe in October of 1347 when ships arrived at the Sicilian port of Messina. When Europeans went to meet the people on board the ships, guess what they found, Leah? Like rotting corpses. <laughs> yes. Good job. Yes. They saw dead people. Oh. Just like the kid from uh, Success yeah. saw dead people. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people on the ship were already dead, but those that were still alive, they were covered in black boils. These boils were spilling with blood and with Leah. I'm gonna need your help throughout this whole episode. Um, you do know that I don't like the P word, right? You mean pus? Oh, god, I hate the word. <laughs> Have we had this conversation before? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, god, I hate that word so much. Okay, so every time that I pause and can't speak, I need you to fill in the P word for me, okay? Okay. Okay, so these black boils, they were oozing with blood and... Pus. Oh, God. Gross. (laughs) Anyway, there were rats on these ships that were infected with fleas that carried the plague, thus bringing the plague along with them to Europe. So, yay, Europe. Yeah, here's a gift for you. Since we are talking about horribly disgusting things already, let's get into the details about what exactly this disease is. Historytoday.com had such an amazing article about the super specific details of this disease. So I want to give credit where credit is due because a lot of the information I'm about to share is from that site. The first thing we have to discuss um, when we're talking about the disease is to talk about Rats. Any personal opinions on rats, Leah? You know, I actually, as a very, very young child, I actually had two pet rats. So I think I don't mind them as much as most people, but I don't love them either. I despise them. Yeah. I mean, they did like literally tear each other apart and that's how they died. Are you serious? One of them was Cray. I get. I, I don't actually remember this. I've just been told that one of them like went crazy and actually like killed the other one. That is so disgusting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's rats you? for you. 
<laughs> How old were you? I think I was probably like six or seven. Oh my god, that's disgusting. I had fish do that one time. They ate each other, but that's <gasps> definitely not the same thing as like mammals that are the size of your fist eating yeah. each other. Yeah. That's disgusting. My like one top memory um, about rats, it was when I was living with my parents and we pulled out the Christmas tree box um, from the garage. And so this is my siblings and I, we noticed there was like a small hole in the corner of the box. So we're all thinking like, oh, great. There's definitely some kind of animal or something that created that hole. But obviously this box had been in the garage for like 10, 11 months at this point. So we were not expecting at that very moment for a rat to come running out of the box. My parents, they live in a tri-level house. So we were down um, in the living room, which is like the bottom level. I literally scaled the balcony up onto the second level in one movement. Oh my gosh. It's one of those adrenaline things where if you ask me how I did it, I have no idea. But when you see a rat run across the living room, it was like one swift movement up onto the second level. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to the story. We're talking about rats here. These particular rats that carried the Black Plague, they were, believe it or not, black rats. There's a theme here, guys. Black rats are very different from brown or gray rats. Brown or gray rats, those are what we're used to seeing. Brown or gray rats, they're the type of rats that want nothing to do with humans. They're little loners. They are the type that come running out of Christmas tree boxes and go hide under the couch. Black rats, on the other hand, nasty, disgusting, filthy black rats, they like to live near people. This episode led me to do more research about rats than I could have ever imagined I would do. But I read a lot about black rats and their behaviors, and they genuinely enjoy being near people. And I even read this really interesting article that talked about New Zealand in particular, where black rats are known to hang out in super public areas like parks and residential neighborhoods. Hmm. These black rats, when carrying the fleas that carried the plague, it would take about two weeks to kill off an entire rat colony. According to HistoryToday.com, once the rat colony had died off, It was then, of course, that the fleas needed to find a new host, which is then when the fleas would cling to humans and bite them. The plague then spread to humans, and within days, it killed them. So now, let's get into the specifics about the plague itself and the symptoms. You know how we oftentimes do like a trigger warning in our episodes when talking about more sensitive or controversial topics? Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to do a trigger warning here, too, because seriously, to our listeners, save yourselves. (laughs) If you do not want to hear about boils and blood and the P words, oh, God, do yourself a favor and skip the next, like, two or so minutes of this episode. All right, let's get into the super gross stuff. Leah, I've uploaded, it's a quote, not a picture. Oh, God, good. I was, like, worried. I was like, oh, my God, am I going to have to look at an actual picture here? Okay. No, it's a quote. Um, 
I want you to read it. It's from an Italian poet. His name was Giovanni Boccaccio, in which he described the horrible symptoms of the Black Death. At the beginning of the malady, certain swellings, either on the groin or under the armpits, waxed to the bigness of a common apple, others to the size of an egg, some more and some less, and these the vulgar named plague boils. <laughs> it gets worse, guys. Great. These, these boils that Boccaccio talked about, they would ooze with blood and... Pus. <laughs> and people often experienced other symptoms, such as a fever, diarrhea, vomiting, chills, and more. The primary characteristic of the bubonic plague is the presence of buboes. This is when your lymph nodes are super swollen and super painful, usually in the regions of your armpit, neck, or groin. I feel like maybe this is TMI, and we are so blessed on this podcast to have so many listeners from all over the world, and now I am totally about to share something that's potentially TMI with thousands of people, many of which I do not know. But here we go anyway. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Mm -hmm. I have actually a lymph node at the back of my neck. Like it's like just under my hairline that I can always tell when I'm getting sick or when I'm like overly stressed because I can feel it. Is that weird? I don't think so because I I know people that constantly check their lymph nodes and know when they're getting sick and stuff from it. Seriously? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe I should have had this conversation with humans a long time ago. Always... <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's even something to be embarrassed about. Okay, good. Because I've always been like, it's like the girl from um, Mean Girls when she feels her chest. <laughs> yeah. I've always felt that way. Like I feel my neck. and I'm like, you guys, I'm getting sick. <laughs> I'll be sick in three days. <laughs> exactly. But so now you guys know. Quick anatomy and physiology lesson for our listeners, but lymph nodes are a part of the body's immune system and they swell in response to illness or stress. This is how we fight against illnesses and infections. So yeah, TMI, but now you guys all know about my neck lymph node. (laughs) Love it. Anyway, the plague was so intense at this time in Europe that carrying and burying dead bodies was an everyday occurrence. Leah, I have uploaded another quote for you to read from someone from the Black Plague period about this whole thing. All the citizens did little else except to carry dead bodies to be buried. At every church, they dug deep pits down to the water table, and thus those who were poor who died during the night were bundled up quickly and thrown into the pit. In the morning, when a large number of bodies were found in the pit, they took some earth and shoveled it down on top of them. And later, others were placed on top of them, and then another layer of earth, just as one makes lasagna with layers of pasta and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, what a freaking disgusting comparison. (laughs) It's cool, I'm never going to eat lasagna again, so... (laughs) God, why is this episode so disgusting? Oh my God, because it's the Black Plague. That's oh, it. it's disgusting, guys. Okay. <laughs> there was no understanding at the time about how this plague had spread from person to person, countryside to countryside. 
We now know today about contagious diseases. We know if we're sick and we cough all over our friends, it's very likely they will get sick as well. We know if we send our kid to school when another kid in their class has lice, it's very possible our kid will come home with lice too. We've all seen the movie Contagion, right? You've seen it, right, Leah? Uh, I don't think I have. Oh, God. Oh, you guys, if you have not seen Contagion, you need to watch it. It has Kate Winslet, Jude Law, Matt Damon. I can't even think of who else in it is in it. But there's so many A-list actors in there that this movie, so it's called Contagion. That's your homework. Go watch it. You will love it. But it shows how easily a disease can be spread and how fast and fatal that disease can be. During the Middle Ages in Europe, people had no idea nor understanding about contagious diseases. Rather, they often blamed the disease on God or fate. In fact, there is a quote from a medieval doctor in which he stated a common belief that the plague was transmitted from one person to another when the evil spirit escaped from the eyes of a sick man when he made eye contact with a healthy man nearby. It sounds kind of crazy now, but I get it. Every single day, we are making such huge advances in medicine, in technology, and this just simply was not available at the time of the Black Plague. Yeah, I mean, like, they didn't know what lymph nodes were, so that's not surprising. (laughs) And I'm very familiar with lymph nodes, guys. (laughs) Even worse than not having an understanding of the disease itself was not having an understanding of medical treatment. We hear the horror stories of medieval medical treatments, doctors doing what they felt was right at the time to rid their patients of their diseases that we now know today with today's medical knowledge were 100% not okay. For example, medieval doctors often practiced techniques such as bloodletting. Bloodletting has long been a thing. In fact, it is believed to have originated in ancient Egypt. From there, the practice spread to Greece and eventually to the rest of Europe. Bloodletting is basically what it sounds like. Letting the blood that is in your body drain out as a means of eradicating the body of whatever disease you have. During the Middle Ages in Europe, bloodletting was often the very first line of defense if you went to your doctor with any form of ailment. The doctor would cut a vein or an artery, typically in the arm, but sometimes in the neck, to release the blood from the body. Yeah, this is this is the part that's making me woozy. It's, oh. it's not the P word part? No, not at all. Anything <laughs> regarding like blood and That's what grosses me out. Sorry, we're just getting started. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Because bloodletting became such a common practice, several other professionals, as in professionals other than doctors, they started to take up the practice of bloodletting. One such group of professionals were barbers. Yes, you heard that right. While cutting your hair and giving you a nice clean shave, a barber might also offer to let some blood out just to really fix you up. (laughs) In fact, ready for a super insanely fascinating tidbit, Leah? Yes. 
the reason why the white with red striped pole is iconic of a barber shop, it actually began in the Middle Ages. Barbers in the Middle Ages would often hang their blood-stained towels outside of their shops on these poles, giving them the look of a red stripe as the blood was draining down them. Mm. It That's fascinating though, right? Yeah, and that sounds vaguely familiar. I feel like I might have known that. I think um, a lot of people do. I told Alex after I put together this episode, I told him like, okay, I want you to wait for the episode to come out, but also I can't wait because this one piece is so fascinating. And of course he's a genius. So he already knew that too. I think it is kind of one of those like more common origin stories, but it's still super cool. Yeah. (laughs) It was also believed that bloodletting allowed for the sick person to fall into somewhat of a trance in which they could become more connected with God and possibly ask for God's forgiveness and healing which we, of course, now know they were not falling into some spiritual trance. They were literally passing out from losing so much blood. Mm -hmm. I won't get into it here, but historians have long speculated that George Washington's death was actually the result of bloodletting. Washington was sick with a sore throat, and doctors believed they could reduce the inflammation in his throat by draining him of nearly 40% of his body's blood supply. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that this practice was not helping people, but rather it was hurting people. But they simply did not know this back in the Middle Ages. Leah, I have uploaded an iconic picture of a doctor during the Middle Ages for you to describe for our listeners. I think I'm going to know what it's, what it looks like. I'm excited. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's um, a picture of a doctor um, and it's basically like a guy in a robe, a full length robe. And then I don't know why they did this, but they wore like a mask. Well, here it says a mask gathered at the neck with a glass eye and it had a beak stuffed with herbs and spices on it yes and a leather hat to top it off like they looked crazy yes we're gonna get into exactly why they had each and every one of those pieces of their wardrobe okay anything else that i should point out nope that was great great so the primary reason for wearing such a ridiculous outfit was because it was believed that the black plague was transmitted via physical contact The robes were meant to cover every inch of their skin, as were the glass inserts at the eyes. They were intended to protect the eyes. Those long beaks they wore actually served two purposes. The first purpose was a practical one. You kind of already said it, Leah. Um, Everyone that contracted the plague reeked. The plague had a very iconic smell, which is really gross and also really sad. Anyway, these beaks that the doctors wore, they were filled with herbs to help with hindering the plague smell from reaching them. The other reason, it was a bit more spiritual. Think back to episode five when we were talking about Akhenaten and analyzing different Egyptian gods and artwork. The beaks that medieval doctors wore were actually meant to resemble the Egyptian gods and were intended to scare away the disease. 
I know if I saw a doctor like that, it would certainly scare me. Mm -hmm. Europeans began to associate the look of the plague doctor with death. When you saw that big beak coming at you, you knew that death was just around the corner. Mm. Now, let's talk about the ways in which the Black Plague affected society. Imagine if 60% of the population died off and what that would do to jobs, agriculture, supply and demand, and more. Huge areas of the country were completely vacated either because the people had died or because the few surviving people freaked out and fled to somewhere they thought might be safer and provide greater protection from the plague. This is a quick History 101 lesson, but do you remember the general construct of serfdom and feudalism in Europe, Leah? Yes. So this is taking me back to the second grade or very near it. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like indentured servitude, right? Or in simpler mm -hmm. terms, slavery, but with like an expiration date on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. Okay. It was basically slavery, but you did have the option to buy yourself out of serfdom, although this was oftentimes totally impossible. The primary difference between slavery and serfdom is that with slavery, you are bound to an individual. With serfdom, you are bound to the land that you worked on. Following the Black Plague, because there were so few workers left, those that could work had the opportunity to demand wages. This completely shook up the European social structure and the feudalism system, it eventually vanished. Land disputes weren't as prevalent either following the Black Plague since there was now so much vacant land. In fact, many people just took the lands of those that had passed away. Women received greater rights as a result of the plague as well, especially as it related to land. Prior to the plague, even if your husband had owned the land you lived on, oftentimes women were not entitled to that land if their husbands had passed away. This was no longer much of an issue following the plague because really who's fighting with you over a piece of land? There aren't enough people left to fight over a piece of land. Yeah. I don't mean to make it sound like everything about life was so much better following the black plague because it wasn't. I don't know if Thanos would disagree. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> um, the next thing I'm about to say is kind of depressing. So, <laughs> oh, so you, you shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't be laughing. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was okay, bad guys. timing. <laughs> no, yeah, not the best timing, but you guys, I am serious here. That one of the awful things that came from the Black Plague, other than of course millions of people dying is that thousands of Jews were actually murdered as a result of the Black Plague. Remember that the Black Death had very strong religious elements to it, and many people believed that Jews were responsible for bringing the plague upon Europe. Thousands of Jews were killed, and thousands more relocated to Poland to escape prosecution. Woohoo, go Poland! 
Go Poland. Religion also took a big shift as a result of the Black Plague. Like I mentioned earlier, many Europeans believed that this plague was brought on by God as a punishment for their sins, and the only way to cure the country of the diseases was to beg for forgiveness. There was one particular group of people that took this notion a couple steps too far. This group of people, they were known as flagellants. And they were a super religious group that they would whip themselves in public as a form of publicly displaying their repentance for their sins. These whippings that they inflicted upon themselves were brutal. They each carried whips that oftentimes had three tails off the ends of them and sometimes contained items such as sharp nails in them. They would march through the streets, sometimes twice a day, in a super ritualistic way while chanting and whipping themselves. This practice was not condoned by the Catholic Church, and they were viewed by most people as crazy. But it was a big religious movement during the Black Plague that obviously drew a lot of attention. Now, I want to end this episode on something extra creepy. You know the nursery rhyme, Ring Around the Rosie? This song has origins going back to the late 1700s, and it has long been speculated that this nursery rhyme was actually written about the Black Plague. So we all know the rhyme, Ring Around the Rosie, a pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Well, I wanted I wanted you to sing it, Rachel. Uh not going to happen tonight, guys. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not performing tonight. Okay, let's go line by line through that nursery rhyme. So, ring around the rosy, that represents the boils on the bodies. Pocket full of posies references the herbs used to ward off the disease, much like those that were stuffed in the noses of the plague doctors that we talked about earlier. And ashes, ashes, we all fall down, obviously refers to the eventual death of someone inflicted by the plague. Oh, hey, and something else to keep in mind and to freak out about. The bubonic plague is not a thing of the past. It is still a very real thing to this day. And it can still be just as deadly, even though we have so many advances in medicine, such as antibiotics. In fact, the most recent case of the bubonic plague in the United States occurred only last year, in 2018, when a 14-year-old boy in Idaho contracted the illness. Don't worry, he's okay, he recovered. But according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, there are still to this day approximately seven cases of the bubonic plague each year around the world. All right, guys. So that was gross. Sure Do was. Sure was. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Do your family and friends a favor and go wash your hands. <laughs> wash your clothes, wash your sheets, and check your Christmas tree boxes for rats. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I 
than that, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Hashtag History. We will have a link to our website in the show notes so you can see the picture of the plague doctor that Leah described. We will also post that picture to our Instagram. The link in the show notes to our website is also where you can go to see all of our sources we used to put together this episode. If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use, share it with a friend, and give us a rate and review. And be sure to check us out on Instagram at Hashtag History underscore podcast. I'm always so happy when I get through that. You nailed it. Yeah. And definitely be sure to come back next week for our final episode of season (sighs) one and to hear our special guest. Yay! Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.